Acts chapter 4. Before we, before we read this, as you can obviously see, we're not in Hebrews this morning. Um, the Lord has pulled me away from it for a week, two weeks, I don't know. Um, what I want us to do this morning, as we think about the way our world and the direction that it's going... We talked about it. We've been talking about it in Sunday school for the last few weeks now. As your pastor, which means shepherd, I want to pastor you this morning. And I want to make sure that you know that you're not like the rest of the world. I want you to make sure, whether it takes a week six weeks that you know Christ and I'm not going to sit here and, and, and I want I want to do that by showing you what it looks like when someone knows Christ because when you know him people know that you know him If people do not know that you know Christ, you don't know Christ. Now let's read. Just set it up to save some time. Acts 4. Christ has been crucified, resurrected. The Holy Spirit, the promise of God has come and has started a storm in Jerusalem. Thousands have been saved at the hearing of the preaching of the word of God from Peter. Uh, a lame beggar is healed in chapter 3 by Peter in the name of Jesus. Of course, what happens? Uh, they get arrested. Uh, Peter and I believe James and or Peter and John, they're arrested. And that's where we want to pick up um, in chapter 4. We'll read verses 1, just a little bit ways through chapter 4. I'm not sure when I'm going to stop, but we'll, we'll know when I stop. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, that would be Peter and John, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of men came to about 5,000. That is the number that believed, were saved, and brought into the body of Christ. Verse 5, on the next day their rulers... The, their rulers and elders and the scribes gathered together in Jerusalem 
with Ananias, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, that'd be Peter and John, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people of of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you that to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Let me pray. Father, make your word known to us so that you might be made known to us. Jesus Christ, be exalted among us. Holy Spirit, please lead us and guide us from myself who speaks to those who hear. Give us ears to hear in the name of Christ. Amen. That last sentence in verse 13, and they recognized, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So I want to ask you this morning, Do people recognize that you have been with Jesus? What do people recognize you by? When someone says, oh, I saw so-and-so, what is probably the first thing that comes to that other person's mind when they hear your name? What do people think when they think about you? I want to start off, this is not going to be a typical sermon where we look at a passage, but we're going to be looking at many passages. But I want to begin by giving you three quick reasons why people might not recognize that you have been with Jesus. Alright, three reasons why people might not recognize that you have been with Jesus. Number one, you... Keep your faith to yourself. You say, my faith is for me. It's personal. It's not for everybody. I don't want to force it on people. No one likes to talk about religion, so I don't do it. If that's your understanding of your faith in Christ, you do not know the Bible. And you are contrary to Jesus. Now, on these three points, I'm just going to be blunt and straightforward. 
if you aren't recognized as a Christian or a follower of Christ because you want to keep your faith personal, not offend someone, uh, you do not understand Jesus and his mission. Many times we get the sense from Jesus that he wants you to be known as a disciple. I want you to be known by your love. I want you to be known by your unity. I want, to, I want you to be known as my disciple. Not only that, he wants you to go and make more of them. It's one reason why I'm not keen on talking about Christianity as a relationship. It is. Being in Christ is a relationship with the God of the universe. But it is much more than that. It is not a private endeavor. <coughs> it is not like your marriage in the sense of <coughs> you don't go around. I hope you do. I hope you go around bragging about your spouse. You don't hide your spouse in the closet. You don't say this is just a love between the two of us that we don't want anyone to know about. I hope that's not the case. You cannot truly be a disciple if your faith is not expressed. And I don't mean that you're the best street evangelist or you're always trying to tell people, but that people know that you are Christian. So first is you keep it to yourself. The second is you compartmentalize. Now, that just means you separate Jesus from the rest of your life. I think you're awake for 80 hours a week. Maybe. Something like that. Around 80 hours a week you're awake. You come here. If we averaged it out a year, around one hour a week. And that's all you give to Christ is that one hour and when you go to work Jesus who when you're at home Jesus who you compartmentalize your salvation because you said I've been saved because I trust in Jesus so I got it sealed signed and delivered now I'm going to go live my life and so no one knows then that you've been with Jesus because you are awake for 80 hours around dozens if not hundreds of people. And if you compartmentalize Christ into Sunday morning and maybe your devotional in the morning or your grace set dinner, if that's the only place that you let Christ exist, you will not be known as someone who has been with Christ. The third one, so the first one is that you keep your faith to yourself. The second one is that you compartmentalize Jesus. And the third one is, is you just love Jesus, or you love stuff more than you love Jesus. It's called idolatry. To love anything more than Christ is idolatry. You talk about what you love. 
if you love something, people know that you love it because you tell them about it. Whether, think about your life. What do you talk about most to people? What you talk about the most is what you love the most. What you love the most is what you worship. And so if you love things, whatever it might be, you will not worship, you will not show, express that you have been with Christ. People will know what you love, and they will know that it's not Jesus. So I want to challenge you in those three things this week and every day of your life to ask God to search your heart on those three things because you need God to search your heart. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 139, Search my heart, O Lord, and show me my grievous ways. It's not, well, I'm going to go examine my life today and figure out how I got it wrong. Well, your flesh will deceive you Every day. But go to the Lord and ask Him, Where am I wrong? Do I hide my faith? Jesus says, If you're ashamed of me, I will not. I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. If Jesus is King over all things, We will not compartmentalize Him. And if He is worthy of our worship, we will not love things more than we love Him. Ask God to search your heart and repent. There's no one here, not even myself, that can do this exercise and not find something that they need to repent of. Not one person. If you find yourself doing any of these three things, it goes against what it means to be a Christian. It goes against what the Bible teaches about following Christ. And my concern is that if these are showing up, it's signs. And the sign might say, at best, as the Hebrew writer said, immaturity. And at worst, to be found outside of Christ. To be found lost and blind. But the Lord can open your eyes. The Lord can renew you. The Lord can strengthen you. The Lord can give you courage to express your faith to your co-worker, to your neighbor, to your children. He will give you boldness and awareness that He is king over your career, your bank account, your house, your cattle, your dogs, your whatever. He is king over those things. And if you search by the power of the Spirit, 
He will confirm that and you will give him those things. I want you to search your heart, to fight to the death, to put these things away, and that so people can know you and know that you have been with Christ. Because apart from that is casual Christianity. Casual Christianity. And I want to tell you something. That does not exist. Casual Christianity is a path to hell. Casual Christianity is selfish Christianity. Self-focused Christianity. And so you've got to make the decision in all of these things and in your proclamation that you are a, a, a believer in Christ. Are you going to be lukewarm or on fire for Jesus Christ? As the prophet said, surrounded by many prophets of Baal, if God is Lord, if Yahweh is God, excuse me, then follow, serve, and worship and love Him. And if your idols are your God, they're not. Follow the Lord Jesus. Okay, so that's... That are the thing, those are the three things that can hinder people knowing that you are in Christ. Now, what are the things that they want that they should see? What are the things in your life that someone would see and go, Ah, he has been with Christ. Four things. I'm only going to go over one of them today. What does it look like to be a Christian? Love. Live for, learn by, and long for Jesus Christ. Love, live, learn, and long. Today I want us to talk about loving Christ. Loving Christ. What is the greatest commandment? You just just simply say it. To love the Lord. Jesus himself says that is the greatest commandment, to love the Lord. So simple to state, to love the Lord. Now I want to give you, I'm not going to hang here because I've told you the gospel a hundred times in the last year and a half, but I want to read to you one more time why Jesus is so lovely. Why Jesus is so lovely. Turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. 
Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, I want to read to you why Christ is so lovely and why we ought to love Him. Colossians 1.13 He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers, authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And He, Jesus, is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. Pay close attention. For in Him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him... To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled, not by saying reconciled, not by saying forgiven, He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you a rebel, a sinner, a worm, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before God. That is why Jesus is so lovely and why we ought to love him. If you were to survey, if I were to, if someone were to survey the people that knew you the best, what would they say you love? If I went to the, if any, if someone went and just handed a piece of paper to your family, your coworkers, the people at the grocery store that see you every week and and just tell me what they love. Would they say, oh, he loves his family, the outdoors, fixing cars, doing their hair, going out on the town, antiquing, farming, playing sports, watching sports. Would anyone say he loves Jesus? That's the greatest commandment. To love Jesus. Would anyone say that it is evident that she loves Jesus? Obituaries are so heartbreaking to me. You see an obituary that says he was a, she loved to, he always, somewhere towards the bottom it says, 
He was a Baptist. She was a member of the whatever church. No one thought well enough of them. No one thought of them to say she loved Jesus. Lord, have mercy on us, an idolatrous people who love every who loves everything. Who loves the creature and the creation rather than the creator. We, we Christians, should be set apart from everyone else on this simple basis. That we love Jesus. We should look different from everyone else. because Not because we came here today. Not because you have a Bible. Not because you dress better. Not because you're respectable. Not because you say bless you when someone sneezes. But because you love Christ. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I want you to just embrace, just brace yourself for this sentence. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 22. This is the end of Paul's letter. He said so many things to the church at Corinth. You know, when you're talking on the phone and you're you're trying to you you there are so many things you want to say and so you just start kind of saying them to get everything out at the end it's like that's what he's doing right now but he says something in verse 22 it's just it's just one sentence and it just it, it's terrifying If anyone has no love for the Lord let him be accursed If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Now, let me just stop you here. Stop myself. That doesn't mean the people who have a little bit of love are okay. If you do not love Jesus Christ, you are damned. That's what that word means. Accursed. Anathema, if you have it in your KJV. Damned. If you do not love Jesus. I can't say it any plainer. If you do not love Jesus... You have no place in heaven. If you do not love Jesus, you are not a Christian. If you do not love Jesus, you are a child of wrath.
But Luke, I have faith. I believed. I got baptized. Turn over a couple chapters. Chapter 13. Verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains... But have not love, I am nothing. And you might say, but I love my wife, I love my kids. Do you love Jesus? True faith, true faith that saves is a faith that is brought about by a new heart. Supernatural. A heart from the new birth that says, I am not who I was, but I am someone new with a new flesh heart that beats and pumps for the sake of Christ. Not for what I live for, not for my sin, not for what I gain, but for Christ and Him and Him alone. So, what does it mean to love Him? What does it mean to love Christ? What does it look like? I, I, I struggled with this because I, I want to say this in the most simplest way, the best way for you to get it. What is it like to love Christ? Here's how I'm going to say it. You love Christ when He is your most valuable possession. You love Christ when you treasure Him over anything else. Anything. There is nothing in this world that you desire more than to know Him and to be known by Him. Nothing. You know that odd statement Jesus made about hating your family? Turn, turn there, uh, Luke chapter 14. Jesus says this thing and it trips so many people up. Luke 14, verse 25. Remember, we're speaking about loving, loving Jesus. Luke 14, 25 and 26. Now when great crowds accompanied Him, 
Notice that. Notice the context. Many people are following. Many people are gathering. Just like millions of people are gathered this morning in churches. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's love for Christ. That is love for Christ. Look at 33. Verse 33. So therefore, to the crowd, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Does not renounce all that he has. He cannot be my disciple. That word renounce means to leave, to walk away from, to forsake, to give up. A Christian loves Jesus so much that he is willing to lose his job, his career, his wealth, his family, and yes, even his own life because he loves Christ so much. Does that mean he's willing to abandon and do evil against his family? No, it means he's willing to lose it. If it means obedience to Jesus because of a love for Christ. And it's not it's not like the pass to get into the club either. It's like say this and you're in. Oh, yeah, I'm willing to give up my family, my career, my life, everything for Jesus. Just saying it isn't the key. It's not just in theory. You actually get tested on this every day. Your love for Christ is tested every day. And this is how... So, this is how we know it is important why we ought to love Him. Your love for Jesus is the door to your obedience to Jesus. See, we can leave today and say, okay, I've got to do this better because Luke said this. I got to do this better because Luke said that. I got to I got to be better at this. And then that will prove my then I will love Jesus more. No, 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 no. You cannot please God apart from a love of God. We read it this morning in in Sunday school. Look at John 14. Flip over a few pages to John 14. Verse 21. 
John 14, 21. Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So let's connect some dots real quick. If you do not love the Lord, you are damned. If you love the Lord, you will have and keep His commandments. Connect the dots. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. It's the evidence. Your obedience to the commands of Jesus is the fruit of your love for Jesus. Did you see that's why we read That's why we read John 21. When Jesus went to Peter and he's like, "Do you love me?" And Peter's like, "Yeah." And then what did he do? He gave him a commandment. He said, "If you love me, this will happen. You will obey me." And Peter, his obedience was the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ. Your job is to love your wife the way Christ loved the church. Your job is to submit to your husband. Your command, if you love Christ, raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If you love Jesus, kids, obey your parents. Peter had the weight of the church upon his back. And he succeeded. Why? Because of the love of Christ to him and his love of Christ to him. And we just have to get up, love the people around us, live like Jesus... You're not asked to go and spread the gospel for the very first time. You just need to be obedient to what He has told you to do. And He has told each and every one of us what to do. He told us to deny ourselves. The only way you can do that The only way you can do that is if you love Jesus more than you love your own life. To be a Christian is to love Jesus more than you love your own life. You say, I want to love Him. I want to love Him more. What do I do? If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. You must sincerely seek Jesus.
You must sincerely seek to know Him more. And when you do that, and you knock, and He opens, His beauty is in front of you, and you will love Him more. Seek, knock, find, and behold the glory of Jesus Christ. It is more beautiful, more valuable, more precious than anything. Seek, knock, and find, and behold. When one turns to the Lord Jesus, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. If you want to be obedient, if you want to To love Him more, you must seek Him and seek out to behold Him and know Him and see Him for what He is. And you must do this by faith. In trusting Him. You cannot come to Jesus on your own. By your own strength, by your own power, but through a humility in trusting that He is the Son of God and you are a wretched sinner. Whether you've been a Christian 50 years or you just now are are hearing the truth for the very first time. Humble yourself by faith. Pray. Every sermon could be boiled down to pray and read your Bible. If you love Christ, you will pray and read your Bible. If you want to love Christ more, you must pray and read your Bible. He's left you with nothing else. But He's given you the Spirit of God to enable you to do those things. He has made it that you cannot fail. That you can love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because He has given Himself to you by the Spirit of God. Now, I don't know how long we're going to do this. I don't mean today. We're done today. I don't know how long we're going to do this, but I want to keep bringing back to you, and I maybe for the rest of my life will be saying this. When you pray, when you read your Bible, when you come into this gathering, with your, if you're gathered at someone else's home, I want you to desire to love Christ more. I want you to desire to greater seek to set forth Christ. And so I need you to hang on to three things that you should be doing in your life. Three things every day. When you read your word, I want you to say, all right, Lord, help me with these three things. When you hear me speak and blabber on up here, I want you to say, Lord, help me get something from his words for these three things. Because you exist for these three things. You have been brought into Christ for these three things. Number one, to worship God. Jesus Christ, to exalt Him, to love Him. Number two, to imitate Him, to become like Him. 
I want you, God, to make me more like Christ. And number three, to proclaim Him. To share Him. Whether it be in how you are becoming like Him, how you worship Him, or how you speak of Him. Worship Jesus. Become like Jesus. And proclaim Jesus. That's it. That's it. Let's not overcomplicate it. You want to be known for knowing Jesus? You ask Jesus to help you do those three things. Through prayer and reading your word. Reading your Bible. And Jesus will transform you from one degree of glory to another. He will give you a heart that sings for Him. If you want to come to Christ, then come. Come. Behold His glory at the cross and see Him resurrected and ascended into the heaven and seated at the right hand of the power of God Almighty. Let's pray. Father, we know not what we do, but God, we know that you know everything. We know we can't understand our hearts, but God, we know that you give new ones. God, help us to worship our Lord Jesus Christ in all that we do. Help us to become more like him in our living, in our relationships. And help us to express Him to a dying world, to our beautiful children, to our neighbors. Help us to love Jesus more. And would you, would you push and remove any uncleanliness and wickedness from amongst, among us? And that you would cleanse us of all unrighteousness and that Christ would be exalted in this place and in our hearts and in our homes and in our community. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.